Now, I don't know if you guys have ever uh, got that angry, all right? But, uh, yeah, that's kind of funny. That's kind of funny. Uh, Andy, he's, uh, he's a crazy guy. But I think most of, us, uh, most of us deal with strong emotions at different times in our lives, right? Uh, sometimes maybe you get to the point where you want to punch a wall, maybe you actually have punched a wall. Uh, a lot of times uh, we, there's rage inside of us that just comes out. Sometimes it comes out in a physical rage. Sometimes it comes out with a spewing of words. Maybe it's raging of emotions. I don't know what it is for you, but each one of us deals with, with rage uh, in a different way. And, and I, I looked up the word rage, and rage is defined as angry fury. And I'm like, okay, now I have to look up fury because now I have to look up a definition for a definition. So I looked up fury, and then it, it was a little more crystal clear. Fury is unrestra- unrestrained or violent anger unrestrained or violent anger. So that's what rage is. That's the definition of rage. Now, I remember uh, as a teenager growing up in Buffalo, New York, uh, I remember this one particular afternoon, a bunch of my buddies and I, we wanted to go do something. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I had to go ask my mom for permission. So there was like three or four of us. They all came over to the house and they're kind of hanging out in the driveway because we were going to go on our bikes or whatever. And so I went in there and I said, hey, mom, can we go do whatever? And like I said, I don't remember exactly what it was, but she was quick to say, no, you can't because of this, 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 and this. And I'm like, okay, fine. So I walked, stormed out of the house, and I turned around and I flipped off the house. And then all of a sudden I heard, Robert Francis Fick, get your buttons in here. And I'm like, oh no. And I look over and the door was open, but, and my mom was in the kitchen. And I could see the reflection of my mom in the kitchen, but she turned around and saw the reflection of me in the driveway flipping her off. And I'm like, oh no. Now I am in serious trouble now. So yeah, I couldn't get to go do what I wanted to go do. And I think I was grounded for a week or two because of that. Because then she was like, Joseph, which was my dad's name. You need to come here and talk to your son. Oh, man, it hit the fan that day. That was terrible. That was terrible. But I don't know if if you guys have maybe got that angry or that rageful. And then you did something, an action like that. I remember when I was uh, newly married, Jean and I got married as, as teenagers. I was 19 and she was 18. And, and we were living in a single wide trailer for a while. And uh, it was within the first couple years of our marriage. And uh, we had gotten into some conversation, which turned into a disagreement, which then was a full-blown argument. And once again, I don't remember the particulars, but I remember exactly what happened is I went into the, the extra bedroom, and I was just so frustrated and so angry. And I was just like, oh, man, what am I going to do? And I went, bam, went like that against the wall. And those single wide trailers don't have very thick walls. My fist went right through, and I'm like, oh, no, oh, no. So it took a while. I put, like, a picture up after that, and it, it took me a while to tell Gene what I did. Oh, we ended up putting paneling up and covering that one up, too. But, you know, I don't really get angry. It takes a lot to get me angry. But I remember different, different situations in my life to where that frustration would just spill over and I would do something really, really, really dumb. But I think all of us from time to time, we experience the overwhelming sense of rage. 
overwhelming sense of, of just, I don't know, things are just a little getting a little out of control, and, and, it, and it comes out in different ways. But if you're a Christian, the question I have for each one of us is, how do we process rage? As a Christian, how do we process rage? It can be tempting to rage against the wall, like I did, or flip off your mother, like I did. Or, or maybe it can be tempting to rage against your parents in, in other ways, maybe with words. Or maybe you rage against your kids, or against a boyfriend, or against a girlfriend. Whenever we engage in this kind of destructive behavior, it's not good. It's not good at all. So how do we process this this rage, sometimes it comes into our lives. Well, today's message is going to give us some help with the answer to that question. Is as a Christian, how am I supposed to process rage? If you open up your Bibles to Ephesians 6, 12 through 17, starting in verse 12, it says this, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So once again, the question I have is where should, we, where should our rage be directed? Well, this gives us the answer. Against people? No, the answer to that is no. Against our spiritual enemy, the devil? Yes. That's the answer to that question, because that's what it tells us right here. So let's, let's continue reading Ephesians, the rest of Ephesians here. And I'm just going to hit some of the highlights, because we've read this over the last couple months. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. We fasten the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness we put on, when we put on the shoes on our feet, and that's the readiness given by the gospel. We take up the shield of faith, and we also take the helmet of salvation. And, and until now, every piece of God's armor that we've been talking about has been defensive in nature. The truth supports every other piece of the armor. Righteousness protects our internal organs. The readiness helps us stand firm and not slip. Faith quenches the devil's darts. Salvation protects our heads. But now let's watch and let's see what Paul says here in the next part of this verse, verse 17. He says, And take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now Paul tells us to take up a weapon of destruction. That's what Paul is telling us to do right now. Take up a weapon of destruction, a sword. Now, a sword is a weapon, and it's designed to maim or kill. That's what a sword does. It maims or kills. God arms you with a weapon to destroy your enemy. God arms you and me with a weapon to destroy our enemy. And the sword that Paul talks about, is a lethal weapon. 
Now, we have a couple of pictures here. The first picture we have is of a, a Gladius. And this is the sword that, that Paul is talking about. That's the Roman sword. It's small. It's bigger than a dagger, but it's, it's a small sword. And as I was thinking about this sword and, and what it looked like, I, my mind went to the Lord of the Rings, as it often does, because I just love that movie. But there's two pictures here from the Lord of the Rings. Now, the hobbits had a small sword, much like the one that, that Paul is talking about. And then you see a broadsword there that Aragon had, and that's much, much larger. So to give you kind of a, an example, an illustration of what that sword might have looked like. And this sword is a double-edged sword that we're talking about, and it's used for close combat, and it's a lethal sword designed to do maximum damage because it is a two-edged sword. Inflict maximum damage. The sword is a lethal weapon of destruction. And that's what Paul is talking about when he's talking about the word of God. Second Corinthians 10.4 says this, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Now I want you to remember this, is that the sword is a weapon intended to destroy the enemy's strongholds. Now that's different for each one of us, but the enemy tries to find our weaknesses and what the enemy tries to do is fortify strongholds in our lives. That's what the enemy does to each and every one of us. So as the enemy is trying to build up these strongholds, what do we have to do? for an offensive maneuver, so to speak. Well, Paul is telling us here to take up the sword, and that's how we will destroy these strongholds that the enemy tries to develop and fortify in your life and in mine. Let's read this again, Ephesians six seventeen, And let's say it out loud. Say it out loud with me. And take the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God. One more time, and I know it, take, it takes a couple times to get us in the mood here. And take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. That's what we have. That's our weapon. And there's two phrases that I want to unpack for the rest of our time together here this morning. Of the Spirit and the word of God. And you're going to see today that that when I speak what God speaks, the devil is destroyed. When I speak and when you speak what God speaks, the devil is destroyed. Number one, I speak the word of God. That's the first thing that we have here. I speak the word of God. In the Greek language, the language that the Bible uh, was written in, the New Testament, there's two words for the word of God. There's logos and rhema. Logos and rhema. And if you don't know, there are differences between those two words. Logos is any kind of a word. It's a written word. It's a spoken word. It's a word that you think. It's any kind of a word is logos. Jesus is called logos in John 1 meaning that that he is the revelation of God. His words are God's words. And so that's logos. 
But the word that Paul is using here in Ephesians 6 is rhema. And rhema is a spoken word, words that are spoken aloud. And this is important as we move through what, what really Paul and what God is telling us to do. The word rhema is used in another significant place in the Bible as well. If you want to turn to your Bibles in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, we're going to read those verses here. And this is familiar. We've been through this portion of the Bible before, but down in verse 3, it says, During that time the devil came and said to him, Jesus, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no. The scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every rhema that comes out of the mouth of God. That's what Jesus told the devil. As Jesus, after his wilderness experience, his temptation, now he's being tempted by the devil at the end. Jesus, and Jesus actually was quoting Deuteronomy 8.3. And Jesus intentionally used the word rhema instead of just using logos or or another Greek word. He used rhema intentionally because Jesus knows that speaking God's word out aloud is exactly what he needed to do to battle the enemy. And what Jesus is teaching us here is the same thing. That when the enemy comes into your life or tries to come into my life and set up these strongholds, what we need to do is speak God's words aloud back to him. And then he will flee and he will have nothing against us because we are using our offensive weapon, which is the word of God. So when I speak what God speaks, the devil is destroyed. So what words should I use or or what words should you use? Well, there's plenty of words. Obviously, we have the Bible, the Old Testament. That's what Jesus used when he battled aloud the enemy, when he was being tempted after the wilderness experience. So you can use Old Testament words against the enemy out of Psalms or Proverbs or, or anything out of the Old Testament We can use the words of Jesus, and and I love this, and I've talked about this before. I call it red-letter living, because a lot of our Bibles, and even online, you can go and see the words of Jesus in the Gospels, and the words of Jesus are highlighted in red. So you can actually speak Jesus' words back, and also in the book of Revelation, too. Jesus speaks in the first couple chapters of Revelation, and his words, once again, can be found in red. I can use the words of the apostles. Now, the Bible has been breathed by God's Spirit. So the words of the apostles in the epistles, letters, or anything like that in the New Testament, we can use those words to combat what the enemy is trying to do in our lives. Or the words of the prophets. So basically, I'm telling you, we can use the whole Bible in its entirety to battle and to say against the enemy when he tries to set up these strongholds. 
words given in the moment by the Spirit. Now, I, I remember this, and I don't know, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you've probably had a similar experience, because I've talked to several people in the last week that have. I remember one night I was having a dream, and it wasn't like a, 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 a nightmare necessarily. I didn't wake up in a panic, but I remember something going on in my dream, and the only word that I could say was Jesus. And I can remember saying whatever it was, whatever situation was going on, like I said, it wasn't really a nightmare, but I remember saying, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And then whatever was there left and I woke up, you might have had a similar experience like that in your life. Simply saying the name of Jesus will take control of the situation. Jesus used rhema to destroy the devil and he gives us that same authority. In Luke chapter 10, verse 19, says this, Look, I have given you authority over the power of the enemy. Right there, we have been given authority over the power of the enemy. In 2 Corinthians 10, 5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So once again, So when I speak what God speaks, the devil is destroyed. When I speak what God speaks, the devil is destroyed. And each one of us probably has a life verse, but one of my life verses is 2 Timothy 1.7. And so I find it especially powerful when I say this out loud if I find myself in a situation to where I need to use this verse. 2 Timothy 1.7 says this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Some versions say self-control, and some versions say a sound mind. But whenever I find myself in a fearful situation to where fear might start gripping me or gripping my heart, I remember that verse that God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of self-control. And so when I speak that out loud, then whatever is inside of me just kind of dissipates, and then I am once again in control of the situation, whatever is going on, and God gives me that peace that I need to walk through whatever has gripped my, my heart with fear. So the devil is destroyed when I speak God's word. That's number one. The second way the sword destroys the devil is when the Spirit prompts my words. When the Spirit prompts my words. Paul says that it is the sword of the Spirit. There is a relationship between speaking God's words and being prompted by the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 49.2 says this, and this is Isaiah speaking. He, the Spirit of God, made my mouth like a sharp sword. The Spirit of God made my mouth like a sharp sword. And Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the Word of God is alive and powerful. Now, some people think the Word of God is a dead old dusty book, but it's not. The Word of God is alive and it's powerful. It's sharper than any of the sharpest two-edged swords. Cutting between the soul and the spirit, between joint and marrow, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. And I love that he uses that two-edged sword. It's just like what we're talking about 
with the sword of the spirit or the, and the word of God. Well, Paul talks about in Ephesians, that two-edged sword. And now I, I'm not a hunter, but I can imagine that cutting between joint and, and marrow is probably some very um, exact type cutting. And that is what the word of God will do. It will go exactly and cut exactly where it needs to cut to protect us from what the enemy is trying to do in our lives. And just like my dream, the Holy Spirit directed me to use Jesus. The Holy Spirit directed me to help protect me in whatever dream situation I was in. And the Holy Spirit will do that in your life and in mine. And I can think of other ways that I've used God's word in the moment And the Holy Spirit brought to my remembrance the the perfect verse to help either myself or somebody else in that moment of time. Now, I do want to have a caution here because I'm not talking about some kind of magic incantation. I'm not talking about conjuring up some method of manipulating God or something like that, but I'm talking about a spiritual authority that you have and that I have when we speak God's words under the direction of the Holy Spirit. Watch this video. What a great scene from the movie War Room. I don't know if everybody here has seen that, but if you hadn't, go rent it this weekend and and watch it about every six months or so because it really will boost up your faith and it will cause each one of us to understand the power of rhema and the power of prayer in our lives. Now, in that scene, she wasn't necessarily quoting the Bible verbatim, but what she was doing is she was using rhema because she was speaking truth that is contained in the Bible. And that's something we can do as well. Under the unction, so to speak, of the Holy Spirit, we can do those same things that she did when she was proclaiming that the enemy had no control over her family, herself, her household anymore. What a powerful scene. So the next time your emotions go all wonky or or my emotions get all crazy, and the next time that you're tempted to rage at somebody in your life, whether it be a spouse, a girlfriend, a boyfriend, a parent, a child. I want you to remember that God gives us a powerful weapon. God gives us a powerful weapon, and that weapon is the Word of God, which we use as a sword to destroy what the enemy wants to try to fortify in your life and in mine. So when you speak, what God speaks, the devil will be destroyed. I'm going to say one more time. When you speak what God speaks, the devil will be destroyed. Let's bow together in prayer. Father God, I thank you so much for your word. And how now we just learned that it is a weapon that we use to come against and destroy 
the strongholds that the enemy wants to try to fortify in our lives. I know I've seen it in my life time and time and time again. Speaking your truth changes the landscape of the situation. Thank you so much for your word, God. Thank you for your spirit who guides and shapes and, and, and leads us in these things. But I know that there might be some of us here today that, that maybe we're not in this relationship Maybe you've never asked Jesus to be the Lord, be the boss, be the leader of your life. And so this powerful weapon for you, uh, you just, you can't use it. So my first prayer today would be for those of you And I'm asking you right now that you would make a decision this morning to say this prayer as as I pray this prayer over you and that you will decide today to serve Jesus. Father God, I pray for each of those right now that are contemplating this decision, Lord. I pray this over them. Father God, I believe in Jesus that you sent your son to die on the cross for my sins and I accept that gift right now. Jesus, I say thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. Now, as I admit I'm a sinner and and I lay my life down and I say, please come into my life, change my life, Take my life over. Forgive me of my sins. As I pray that right now, you are faithful to take my sins away as far as the east is from the west. And now as I commit my life to you, to be guided by you, to have the future shaped by you, by your word, I commit that to you right now. Change my heart. Change my life from the inside out, I pray in Jesus' name. Now, if you said that prayer, you are on the road with Jesus right now. Your life can be totally different than it was just three minutes ago. As you choose to walk and develop this relationship with Jesus in your life, he makes everything new. We learned today that now we have authority over the enemy and the enemy's been messing with you throughout your entire life, but now you have a weapon of warfare. And that is some good news for us today. We're going to move into a time of communion. We normally do communion on the first Sunday of the month. So I know that Will has some people set up to distribute the elements. And so here at Connect, it's an open communion. You don't have to be a member of this church 
to enjoy the the communion time together. We're going to pass out juice. We're going to pass out little elements of bread. They're actually little crackers. And I just ask you to, everybody to hold that until the end and then we'll take communion together. We like to celebrate communion once a month because we remember Jesus celebrated a Passover meal with his disciples right before he went to the cross. And the Passover meal, what they celebrated was the fact that the Israelites, the Jewish people, were released from bondage. They were captive and they were in bondage for many, many years. And so Passover, from the Jewish perspective, celebrates their release from bondage. And now as we come together with communion, we celebrate the release from bondage that we had in our lives before we walked with Jesus. So we're just going to play some some music here as the elements are being passed out. Then I'll come back up and we'll take communion together. Whenever we do communion together, I like to read out of the Gospel of Luke in chapter 22. And what we find here, starting in verse 14, is when the time had came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. And Jesus said this, he said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And we're still waiting for that right now. And that's exciting. That's a future hope that we have. And then he goes on to say, uh, he took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying this, this is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. Let's pray. Jesus, we do take time today to remember you, to remember your sacrifice, to remember the choice that you made to step out of heaven, to come down here, to live as a man, to die a criminal's death just for me, just for each one of us. We remember that right now. Let's go ahead and take the bread together. And then a little bit further on, it says this, and after supper, he took another cup of wine and he said this, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you and as a sacrifice for me. And I like to make mention of this, that he uses the word covenant. That's that binding covenant that we have, that promise from God. And that is a special, special agreement that God has made with us. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you once again for the covenant that's between you and it's between me. It's between each one of us. And Jesus, this covenant was confirmed by your blood that you shed on that cross so many years ago. Now I can stand here today and say that my debt has been paid because of your sacrifice. Thank you so much, Jesus, for that. And we just, we remember you today and we give you honor and glory in our lives because of the sacrifice that you gave for us. Thank you. Let's take the juice together.
Amen. Amen. I love these moments when we can spend time together just thinking about Jesus' sacrifice and and the debt that he, he paid for you and for me. And you know, a lot of times we sing these awesome verses, these choruses, and, and what came to mind today is, before we got ready to do communion, is that God is such a good, good Father. And I know that's a, a popular song these days in the last year or so. He is, he is such a good, good Father to each one of us. And so the only way that I know on, on how to try to repay is by living my life each and every day like it's my last and to orchestrate my life that it would be a pleasing and, and something that would honor God and honor the sacrifice of Jesus. So I challenge each one of us to do that in our lives each and every day. Well, we're going to transition now. Each week we have some next steps or action points. And so I'm not going to leave you hanging this week. Before we get into our celebration song, there's just a couple things here that I want to go over. Number one is, after today's teaching, fight the spiritual enemy instead of the human enemy. I know that's difficult to do sometimes. It's difficult for each one of us to to make that determination, but it is really true. We need to stop fighting the human enemy and take the battle where it belongs to the spiritual enemy. Now, some of us might need help. We might need an accountability partner or a mentor, or, or you might even need professional counseling at this point in time. You know, I know there's anger management classes and things, and, and you might need to take that route, and that's fine. But we need to make the determination that we're not going to rage against humans that we're going to take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and do damage where we need to do damage, and that's in the spiritual realms. And then number two, we learned today that speaking the word of God is rhema. So I challenge each one of us, myself included, to use rhema on a daily basis to battle against what the enemy's trying to do in your life and trying to do in my life. Now, at this point in time, we're going to take up uh, the connection cards and the offering envelopes, if you have those, to my right, your left. If you're on the outside aisle, there's a little basket there. If you just pick that up, put in your offering or your cards and send it along the way, and there's going to be a couple ushers here in a few moments coming and grabbing those baskets. So uh, have a great 4th of July weekend, and I'm not really sure what Gene and I are deciding to do. We, we thought maybe we'd go to Glacier today. I'm not, I'm not really sure we're going to talk about that here in a little bit. But whatever you do, let's remember the freedom that we have because of the country in which we, in which we live. Amen? All right. Ryan, we ready for a celebration song? All right, let's do it.